Welcome back, everyone, to our two cast number one four five. You probably notice I'm laughing a wee bit <clears throat> now. I would say ninety nine percent of the time when I hit record, guests say, "Oh, do you ever not hit record?" And every time I say, "Never done it," can't see it happening. Um, I've just done it. <laughs> this is the second time I've said, "Welcome back to our two cast number one hundred forty five. It's actually the third because I introduced it wrong the first time and had to say it again. But um. <laughs> Our guest was just starting telling their background about them and stuff. So we weren't at the end or anything like that, which is good. We're only six minutes into the recording um, and, and about three of that was me. So that's good. Um, but yes, you can probably sense the, the confusion in my voice. We should go as time goes on, but that is what has just happened. So I'll give you a little background as to the last and next episodes because that's what I've just done and managed to forget. Uh, but these <laughs> these things do happen. Recording is now on and uh, our um, our guest is at ease now because they realise it's not it's it's only me that actually makes any mistakes. So um yeah the last episode we had number one four four was with Neris Lewis who um Neris is part of Wentwood Young Farmers who Lauren Ithdale, obviously that I'm a part of, went down to in July uh, for an exchange and you might have noticed if you follow uh, the Farmers Weekly and as I said earlier other magazines are available such as the Scottish Farmer um, posted about a, a really good bale art with a combine uh, with, a, with a number saying how to join Wentwood Young Farmers, that was her her young farmers, she talk, talks about young farmers and what it's done for her where it's taken her, competing at the Royal Welsh um, and traveling the world as well. The next episode <clears throat> is with an SEYSC member that I was a student alongside, David Mitchell. Um, great guy, nightmare to be a student alongside. Uh, I was given an example in the last non-recorded recording um, where we'd be in about half four or something like that in the day and uh, David would just find something to argue about and everyone wanted to leave. I'm like, David, it's half four and a Friday. Nobody cares about the price of potatoes or whatever. So, um, but... A great guy for SAYFC. He is a, a last year's joint stocks person of the year. So we're really interested to hear about stock judging and whatnot. A thing I am absolutely terrible for, but do have an extremely old NFU mutual hat here that has almost got stir and cobwebs on it because I never wear hats. But I did win that for being third place in a stock judging once, which was a massive effort for me. But it did lead to everyone in the market communally laughing because they thought there's no chance Wallace can have managed that. That's not a lie. That's completely true. Um, <clears throat> but uh, David is a, is a good guy for, for British farming. And another sort of advocate of British farming uh, today is is our guest, which is um, it's going to be a good episode. And someone I followed for over a year probably we worked out just off camera probably about 15 months i remember seeing a first post that is now just perchance her our, our, our guest today's um pin post i was able to sort of see when it was um and that guest is katie tunstall katie for the second time today would you like to say hello <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> thank you so much for having me again <laughs> just before we get started with another episode of the r2 cast i would like to thank our primary sponsors howden rural formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that <laughs> I don't know this is it. I've never had anyone on twice but here we are um, yeah looking forward to it and I hope hope you are as well oh 100% <laughs> good good and uh, I'll tell you the story that I missed uh well I didn't miss 
me and Katie heard it, but you guys missed it because it wasn't recording. Um, <laughs> when I originally arranged Katie had uh, followed for a while, as I said, got in touch on Instagram as is normally the way, and then sort of sort a number and stuff and, and get the Zoom link sent. And uh, with that, I was on Stag Do a couple Saturdays ago. And now, you've listened to me enough to know that I have genuinely stopped drinking. I have had one pint because I was forced to do a boat race um, since June. Uh, and apart from that, I haven't had anything to drink. So I was on the Stag Do completely sober. All it had was way too much at the barbecue. Um, and at 44 minutes past midnight on that Saturday, apparently I... <laughs> phoned Katie and then shouted with a text did not mean to call so uh, I'm surprised she didn't get scared off and never come back on the pod to be honest but it was so funny because I was like running around trying to find my phone and I saw your phone number and I thought I recognize that one I know that's something really important but I can't remember who it is and then I saw your text and I was like oh (laughs) said no one ever about me that's for sure but uh (laughs) <laughs> when when this podcast started before the podcast it was it was an interview um basis called people in farming so i would write about a thousand words on people i uh, in farming and <laughs> obviously um <laughs> and sort of showcase what was out there and the reason i did that was someone had messaged me um i really should go back and check this person's name because they're the reason i have a podcast they're the reason all that sort of stuff was there it was early early july 2020 someone had said wallace how'd you get into farming now most of you know <clears throat> I'm born into an 800 hectare um, farm that's about 45, maybe 40% owned uh, in a beautiful, beautiful island off the southwest coast of Scotland, own a volcano. Got that farm there if I ever want. And truth was, I probably didn't want it. Um, went away, studied, and now found a career in the sector. Uh, but it was always going to be bestowed upon me and they'd asked how do you get into farming and I just felt like I was the wrong person and I thought who is the right person and I don't think there is a right person hence why we've had 140 odd episodes but today's <laughs> guest definitely marries into that right person not that sounds like I mean marries into lines up with being <laughs> that right person um and uh, sort of fits that bill perfectly so if you are someone that's listening and wants to know about farming and starting from from zero I guess uh, in the farming sector this is the person for you so Katie could you give us a bit of background again for the second time it's the only <laughs> thing I'll have to ask for the second time but uh, a bit of background about Katie Tunstall <clears throat> yeah of course so first of all like I'm you know I'm a complete novice myself still you know I'm still very much in the in the early years of finding on farming and doing that type of thing but I started because I've got no farming background at all my mum owns a gym in rugby and my dad's a lawyer in London so they didn't have anything to do with farming at all and I'm pretty sure they still think I'm a bit mad (laughs) for going into this they're like why can't you just have a normal job I'm like because I love it I'm sorry I can't (laughs) and and so I kind of started with a complete blank slate and one of the biggest reasons I think while I got into farming is because the my partner who's who's been my partner for nine years now his granddad has a farm and I started kind of going there and learning and and both his his granddad and his grandma both really you know showed me a lot of things what to do and I would say and it was nice because it was the real old-fashioned way of doing it there's no big kit no huge tractors it's all little you know Massey FE 35 tractors doing the own baling used to hand cut every all the hay and everything like that on our own lambing was all done you know in you know by by us nothing special nobody helping us or anything like that so it really got me it was a great start because it was like there's just us and the animals and and that's it which was lovely and then my partner said to me oh how do you feel about 
getting a few of our own and I was a bit nervous because you know I still really didn't know a lot to do with them so we bought some and then kept them at his granddad's farm so they could help us and they were there for a few years and then we rented some some fields in um near rugby Warwickshire where we um still have and we put them there and we started kind of doing it a bit and started lambing and doing these things and I thought hey you know this is something I actually really love and we got into um you know rare breeds um Hebridean specifically um I'm I've been I'm a co-opted um, member of the committee and the trust and um, not trustee but co-opted member of the committee for the Hebridean Sheep Society and they are I could preach about them all day I just love them well um, I tell you what do preach yeah, about them all day I will <laughs> <laughs> I will I've got a lot to say about them I think that they are fantastic sheep um but the, I think the thing for me that really got me into farming was actually COVID because I my my theatre degree was design uh, my, my degree was theatre so I did design uh, for performance at Birmingham and I started working for a theatre in Warwick called Playbox and I loved it there but when um, when COVID hit obviously all the theatres closed so I had no job and I thought well what am I good at what what can I do and I thought well you know it's it's gonna be March soon I'll give a lambing a go I'll, I'll do a commercial lambing season so I ended up doing <laughs> I did a commercial lambing season I worked for it was three different farms one in Napton and that was about 3,000 sheep <laughs> which was the most incredible experience ever. It was a real baptism with fire, I'd have to say. It was, <laughs> it was great. Um, and then I worked for um, an, an amazing guy called um, Sam and his wife, Chelsea, in, um, in Stafford. They had some, some sheep there. Um, and then I've done a few years of that. So that really, you know, it, it was really amazing. And then I started, um, when I came out of the lambing season, I thought, this, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do full time. You know, I absolutely love it. I might not be super experienced. I don't have the upbringing. I don't have the tens of years of knowledge, but I absolutely love what I do and I want to continue doing it. So I applied for a job as a shepherd at a farm in Market Harbour and I got it and it was a thousand sheep. Um, they were Highlanders. So they're cross between um, Romneys and Texels um, and they're an Innovis breed of sheep. They've got a bit of thin sheep in there as well for the milk. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're really, really good sheep. And I worked there for, well, it was over a year. And then, as I was saying, uh, you know, before we started recording, I did the ligaments in my knee. Um, I tore two of the ligaments, my ACL and my MCL. So I had to stop working there full time, but I've still got my sheep. Still got about 50 <laughs> of Hebrideans and, and Pedigree Clins. And I might be starting Herdwicks because my mum wants them. The cutest lambs on yeah. the planet. Aren't they, though? <laughs> <laughs> the late teddies. Yeah. Well, the reason we kind of decided to get them was because I was given a Cade lamb a few years ago by a friend. She went, "Oh, I've got a Cade Cade lamb. It's a ewe lamb. You know, you can do you can do this or that with it." And I thought, "Yeah, right. You know, I'm, I'm great with Cade lambs. I can have a look at it." So she dropped it off, and I thought, "This isn't a ewe. <laughs> this is a ram." So I castrated him, and I thought, "Wow, we'll just see what happens." And my mum saw this sheep. And just went, oh, that is the cutest sheep I've ever seen in my life. And then she spent all her time bottle feeding it and it fell asleep on her lap. And I still haven't been able to get rid of it. And it's five now. Is it is it entire? It's no, I castrated no, it. I didn't so. I couldn't remember if you said that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Cade Lamb is a term I'd never heard. Uh, oh. I think Bizza Walters was on the podcast. Oh yeah. 
I'd never heard the term Cade. It just means like orphan lamb, yeah, like pet lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like yeah, Kate, I've always called them Cade lambs. I think it's because Bobby's Bobby's grandparents called them Cade lambs when I first yeah. started, so that wasn't me. But I've heard them called Molly lambs is one that I've heard people call them. And this is, and then just pet lambs. Yeah, it's lambs. funny. Yeah. And you know, especially for someone like yourself coming in, there's so many names for the same thing. Like oh, you know, if, I was to, if I was to ask you or ask <laughs> one of my students or ask my mum or ask me or ask someone what's a gimmer you get nine different answers like it's... I was just about to say that especially with Hebrideans when I go up to the shows where the first one I did a few years ago went up to Lanark um because that's one of the big breeding cells and it was like on the catalog it was like gimmers and I was like what gimmers I have no idea what they, are. they were like they're thaves they're thaves that's what they are and I was like oh okay shillings right okay well the, the word you just said I've never heard thaves no yeah that's that's the thing. It's mad, and yeah, it, and it's as close as like I, I live in I live in Dumfrieshire now. I'm not from Dumfrieshire, but I live in Dumfrieshire. Mm. Dumfrieshire's a big a big county. Don't get me wrong, but it's maybe got like sort of six main bits. Yeah, and I would say there's there's seven or eight different name. Uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, four or five maybe different names in that for a castrated lamb. And oh my god, this is so. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's 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 pretty funny that side of things. <laughs> Bloody confusing. As an agricultural yeah. lecturer, I get confused, but you know, like it's a uh, there's so many different terms out there. I find I find it quite interesting. But oh um, yeah, <laughs> I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery. To a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. It, it, do you know, we I sometimes I sometimes get quite deep on the podcast. And I feel like I'm going to do it for a second here, but um, fate is not a thing I think I believe in. I, I don't. Mm. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe like you know, there's there's a soulmate out there for every person. There's a um a, a correct job out there for every person but coming from from having a, a dad who's a lawyer and in, in the hustle bustle of london mm. and a, a mum who's worked in london and then moved on to to own to have a gym um in in rugby like you say it's not it doesn't make you think farming and then no. it's, it's almost like it makes you think along the lines of was this fate the second you've done it you're like this is this is it this is what yeah um, I rem- yeah it, it was difficult I remember making the decision because I I was offered like a a more permanent position at the theatre that I was at they were like oh yeah well you can't do the um you know the, the stage sets and things because we're not doing anything but because we still because it was an educational one obviously they still had the classes open because it was it was classed as education <laughs> they were like you, can, you know you can come and do things like that and I just thought that's not that doesn't bring me I mean obviously I love that type of thing but that doesn't bring me the passion that I get from doing the lambing. And I was halfway through a lambing, se- a lambing um, job when they messaged me and rang me. And I just thought, no, because this, this, what I'm doing now is something it, that I've never experienced is being able to, to learn something and grow and something that I'm actually really good at. You know, I'm not, <laughs> nowhere near as good as a lot of people, but I feel, you know, I feel like I've got a lot better, you know, in learning things specifically. And, and I've got so many people around me that are, mentors and and have really taken me under their wing um you know specifically and one of the ladies I land for Meg Walters she's just absolutely fantastic they have um she's uh, one of the people that run 
uh, Slawson Grange estate and I land for them and she's you know anything that I need I'm like I just I, you know even if it's stupid and I think I've forgotten this thing help and she's like don't worry missus you know this is what it is blah 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 and she's brilliant so it's like it's so good to have that network of support Oh, and and you know, we we I think we I can't remember if this was the first recording off camera or this recording <laughs> where we mentioned about how um how sort of supportive the the community we have on on social media mm. is farming and like you know there's there's so many great folk out there and and I think I think the best thing to come from all is it's it's completely normalised not knowing everything and I think yeah. farming had a certainly when I was young why don't you know everything <laughs> like, <laughs> this idea like how can you not know absolutely everything and it's like everyone would be sort of like put down or laughed at or whatever yeah and I, I think that's disappearing and I think that's so positive um oh definitely definitely one you know one of the farmers I worked at I I found myself you know because I have a horrendous um imposter complex like I'm just like I don't know why people find me interesting I'm rubbish at everything I do blah 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 you know <laughs> that's the kind of thing and I remember having a conversation with this with the farmer and he was like Katie the only people that say that they know everything actually know nothing so mm. if you're learning and you register the things that you don't know that's much more positive than standing there going oh well I know everything come to me yeah. I'll, I'll tell you all the answers it's it's kind of like the whole uh I, I did I did a master's in food security and I speak about this sort of stuff quite often um the, the idea you've got developed and developing nations and we had to move away from saying first and third world and whatever and I actually don't think that's any worse or better because if we are a developed nation does that mean we stop you know, like, mm, yeah, do we do, stop changing? Do we stop yeah. growing? Do we stop improving? Stupid Hopefully name. Hopefully not. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. It's such a daft name, man. It's such a regressive yeah. name. Um, but uh, could you tell us a bit? Because I would say, have we had? We have actually had someone on who did drama-ish, theatre-based stuff. Oh, like okay. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know Matt Styles? I don't but I he feel goes, like I need to now <laughs> yes he goes by the, that honest farmer oh yeah yeah so yeah. Matt did that uh, and he said he was he was in a um he was in a, a sort of like the, whatever you call the bit <laughs> I go on stage I should know these terms <laughs> the, the bit behind the stage that still got curtains around you but you can't be seen because you're sort of backstage but you're also not fully backstage because that curtain the can't proscenium. Is it that's, called, the word. Yeah. that's the word that's the word and um, I remember my uni things. My lecturers will be like, "Good, you retained some information." Right, right, <laughs> uh, he was in there, and it was black, dark, and it was like he said mid July, and he was like, "Nah, <laughs> this is not for me." And it, that, but he did go through it. So yeah, uh, the episode is is there on on the R two cast. I used to be really good at being like, "Oh yes, episode number," but there's so many now. I don't have a clue. I think it's about one twenty eight, something like that. Um, no, it's not at all. Um, but yeah, it's not something we've had often. Tell us about that that uni course. What was involved in that? Oh, so let me think. So I went to Birmingham City, and um, well, I started off actually. I went to U- um, UCA in London, and I did a fine art um, degree as a foundation course. And then I went to Birmingham, and I did. Um, it's it's been renamed now, but it was um, design for performance. That was what it was. And it was designed for theatre performance and events. That was my course that I went on. So it was a lot to do with, um, you know, costume design, set design, um, 
but also to do with um, events, music, um, you know, music festivals, um, installations, like loads of different things. Um, I went into more theatre because that was something that I always loved doing at school. I think I mentioned to you before that um, at school I did a lot of English and English literature and that's something that I've always loved. Like I love reading and things like that. So I just was automatically drawn to to the theatre stuff. And um, but I knew that I wanted to, I didn't want to just illustrate. I wanted to make things as well. So I ended up doing um, at uh, at uni, not just you know the des- the designs and the illustrations and stuff, but actually like trying to make those things. And then that transcended when I left into the theatre because um, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up like learning how to weld as well. And like yeah so I ended up doing this one of my friends was like oh do you want to come and help me I have to do it it was really random it was a, a crazy golf course for Angry Birds the video game and they were like do you want to come and help and you can learn like to weld and I was like yeah right so I went to Kyneton and helped this um this fabricator there and it was brilliant I absolutely loved it never thought I'd be into that type of thing I was like this is great learning how to mig weld and tig weld and all these different things and now when a gate breaks i can fix it it's very exciting don't have to use bailing twine <laughs> i hear the baler twine thing for straight <laughs> i'm like why do we normalize this yeah. <laughs> just um, wrap it up with bailing twine it's fine if it breaks yeah. you know just wrap it up again <laughs> it's a i did not expect you to say weld in there but what i'm really interested <laughs> in is um i compete in angry bird <laughs> so I get bored and sit at night and I, I think I said to you off camera I'm not a massive sleeper so I'll go a walk and then I'll come back at like two in the morning and I'll just like put put Netflix on and then put Netflix on the wee window at the top and just I'm like level like four three thousand or something like that and then I'll I love it I love it <laughs> I did not expect me talking about Angry Birds today yeah. I'm so happy um I've just opened up an extremely sad part of my life. There. <laughs> yeah. no um, tell, tell us about about the first moves into into farming. You also obviously mentioned Katie. You sort of did did the lamb and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but I assume that was that was a wee bit after. So tell us yeah. about your absolute first impressions. How did how did that feel? Because there'll be people listening to this. Um, I know if you type in food and farming into Spotify, it's now the first one that comes up, which is first off really cool. Thank you to the listeners for doing that. But um, there's a lot of people that do that that aren't into it, and they're they're listening to see why what what it's like. What was that experience like for you? Well, my first so my first experience was obviously at well it was at Bobby's granddad's farm, and we just kind of used to go like every other you know weekend and kind of help out and things like that. And the biggest one was their first lambing we went over to help them lamb and we stayed there and they lamb over three weeks so we stayed there for three weeks and this was well it was during my uh easter holidays i think it was so i had the time and it was don't get me wrong it was hard it was one of those things that i thought wow this you know i really admire people that do this every year because we got up you know at one in the morning at three in the morning and at five to go and check these sheep because they lambed outside and then when they were lambed we then put them in what we'd call the lambulance which is essentially a quad quad bike with a trailer on the back bring them in you know make sure everything was okay and and set them in there and it was it was rough going but it was one of those things because you know so when you do something really hard you either love the fact that it's hard or you hate it 
you're like yes, you know I can sure. never do that again or you think oh you know what that was really hard but I have such a sense of achievement out of it that was that was for me I remember particularly I it was me and um I'm a partner in the lambing shed with Bobby's um grandma and she was lambing the sheep and it was just all kinds of legs everywhere you know it was really difficult and she just took her time and did it and it was fine and I just remember looking at Bobby and just thinking that's the most amazing thing ever you know this that was my first lambing season I'd never put my hand in a sheath at that point it was I was blown away I just thought this is the coolest thing ever (laughs) this is so cool (laughs) I need to do this (laughs) so positive then Oh, really positive. Yeah, positive, positive, definitely. Like even it's still now, you know, like if I'm standing in the field and I'm absolutely soaking wet, if I think that I've achieved something, then it's worth it, you know. It's it's a thing that you know I I probably assisted lamb in my first sheep, but like two, you know, like it's just been something I've done my whole life. And I think one of my favorite things is when you introduce someone new to it and they're like and they sort of say something that makes you think, shit, no, this is cool. Yeah. This is cool. We're bringing life. We're doing it in a way that is, yeah, you're doing this <laughs> thing that you're helping something be born. Like, it's kind of cool yeah. when you really bring it back to bare bones. Um, and uh, it is quite nice when someone sees it for the first time. But you've obviously taken that experience. It's not just been, oh, that was cool. Might never see that again. And um, you're working it now. Uh how, how has that process went over how, how long has that period been so it's been the last nine years is that right yeah nine years yeah. so I started um yeah when I was like 20 that was when we got the sheep for the first time when I started helping out and first got them and then my first lambings I'm trying to remember because I feel like the COVID years have just switched you know do you know what I just can't remember them they've just kind of like blended into one it's still 20, 2019 agreed yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still 22. <laughs> yeah. No, I was. I would happily be that age. Yeah, <laughs> we're 30 in a year and a half, so quite, quite. You know, all my 20s have basically been given up now to learning about sheep, yeah, <laughs> which sure, is quite nice. Sure. But yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I've. Uh, no, it's, I it's, forgot what I was saying. Now <laughs> it was. It was just sort of that that process of of making the decision from. Oh well, this this is quite cool. I quite like this. Mm. And actually be in the position you are now with sheep yourself and having obviously been been a shepherd too. Um Yeah. Yeah. Well I think Yeah, well I think it was one of those things where it was just kind of like when we when we first had the sheep when Bobby said to me, Oh, do you fancy having them? And we had uh, we had board lesser crosses. So we had proper commercial sheep, which was quite nice. Um and it was don't remember, like it was difficult, it was but it was really good and it was such a sense of achievement and and the reason that we got them in the first place was because I wanted to know where my lamb was coming from. That was why I got them. You know, we, I don't tend to buy lamb from anywhere else apart from my own sheep because I know where it's come from. And if I could do that with everything, I would, but I don't unfortunately have enough land to keep cattle or pigs I have had pigs before and goats um but I don't have enough land to keep cattle which is a shame because I would love to do that um but that is the biggest thing that made me want to do that and then when we started having them and then we took them to the you know um the abattoir and stuff like that and in and it was hard and but it really made me realize how much I wanted to do it and after the after the lambing season that we had the commercial lambing season we had a quite I mean not an established flock compared to you know big commercial farmers but we had you know 50 and 
and then it grew and grew and grew and then now we're running about 100 Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Which is which is like, I don't know. I just I find that really cool. I really do. It. It just as someone who hasn't you know has been around sheep the whole time and yeah. the process involved in getting started is is brilliant. And you've now, forgive me. I always mix up. I know what a Highlander is and I know what a Hebridean is, and I always <laughs> say the wrong word. You have like that's right. Don't tell me you have Hebridean. Yep. And you worked with Highlanders, is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you said you would happily sing the praises for the Hebridean. Why did you go down that route? So it start it started off because we had those commercial sheep, and I said to my partner, "Oh, you know, I just fancy a change, fancy something different." And one of our friends, his has lots of different rare breeds. So he's got Hebrideans, North Ronald says, Manx, Shetlands, like. Okay, yeah, more yeah. it's just like anything really and I had a conversation with him about what breed he thought would be the best for for me to be able to look after them solely so lamb them share them you know do everything plus I wanted something that wouldn't be so hard on the land that we grazed because the border lester texel crosses that we had were really hard on the land really hard and we didn't actually have that much land at that point we still don't I mean we just still don't now really we've only got about 30 40 acres but it's at that point we only really had 10 so mm. it was like we really need to find something that's kind of better on the land so my friend said oh well I've got these Hebrideans why don't you buy these and see what they're like so we had a very small number and then I was like these are the coolest sheep <laughs> they're so hardy you know they land themselves they're so easy to share because they're really tiny. They they selective graze everything. My grazing has never looked better. Like in really? the last couple, yeah, in the last couple of years, we went from the field that looked completely poached because it had been overgrazed by um by a tenant to um field orchids coming back in the fields. Amazing. And it's, it's just it's fantastic. It's just brilliant. I love seeing what they do, and they're so friendly. They're brilliant for dog training, which is great because we've got our youngster, and they're just they're great they're, they're a really good way as well I would say if anybody wants to get into showing but can't afford big commercial mm -hmm. breeds to have them because they're not they're not ridiculously expensive animals um but they're so great to start with the showing circuit the Hebridean Sheep Society is just the most lovely bunch of people I've ever met in my whole life they're so nice see that's good to hear and and sorry, sorry to cut you off with there Katie but often when you hear of what's the right word here probably breed societies away from the conventional that would be a fair way to put mm. it um that that is not what you hear you hear yeah. it's just a nightmare it's like um so that's really nice to hear oh yeah definitely like i've i've um you know worked for a love for some people who have said that certain commercial societies like I'm obviously not going to say what they were but the certain breed societies are very kind of I don't really know the right way to put it but not very good at encouraging new people to yeah. be involved they they're very much like these are our big breeders these are who the best is and these all these are the people that anyone wants to breed from and everyone else you know don't bother whereas the Hebridean sheep society like I've you know I've only had Hebrideans properly breeding and sharing for the last three years and you know already you know people have been so welcoming people are really lovely about the sheep that I have um 
you know and and the society and the committee as a whole are just just they're just so lovely i just i can't like i said just can't sing their praises enough yeah. the sheep are great and the people that have the sheep are great so that's you know <laughs> that's the thing what can you ask for <laughs> definitely <laughs> um do you have an actual role in that society katie you, you... i'm yeah so i run their social media brilliant well yeah, I, run, yeah. <laughs> I run their instagram and i help run their facebook um they asked me a couple of years ago to if I wouldn't mind and then and then they um invited me to be a co-optee on their um on their committee um so I've started you know getting involved in that kind of thing as well which is great I really enjoy it it's nice to have different discussions about you know breeds and where it's going and stuff like that and that really interests me as well like genetics and things that always has interest me I'll uh, I'll throw out an offer to you that you as the uh, the uh, Hebridean Chief Society can can discuss if you want. Mm. I, I kind of want to start bringing on breed societies on the oh. podcast. So if you want to come on and talk about you know as a group of you, not just yourself. You oh, one hundred percent. I'll definitely put that to them. They'll love that because <laughs> um, they're always trying to find ways. Because a lot of people don't really know very much about about them, and a lot of people think they're goats. So. <laughs> <laughs> is it a short is it a geep um yeah no definitely and yeah no so if you are keen for that uh just just shout um, yeah definitely how how if if yeah so the land's growing how did you find getting extra land so i'm quite so i started off because my my mum and dad have 10 acres but they were renting them to a different farmer so we obviously I never wanted to step in and we always had the conversation, you know, if he ever wanted to give up, then I would take them over. So during that, so my partner works for a country estate. So he asked them if they had any land available and he had horses. So we started renting um, the fields, not just for the horses, but for the sheep as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had another like pocket of land um, there. And then it, it all kind of went to pot because they sold a lot of the land so then we had to really try and find somewhere else so we, that's when we went back to the 10 acres at my parents house um that, that we rent now and it was really hard don't get me wrong you know I'm still trying to find more land <laughs> it's oh, always yeah. a constant constant struggle of finding more land and I actually sold which was quite difficult really um most of my commercial use the other week because we wanted to focus on the pedigree clins that we had and the Hebrideans um and I thought this is going to be so hard and then when they went and I looked out in the field and I thought well actually now it's kind of it's a bit more of a manageable number for the acreage that we have but I still want more land because if I have more land then I can buy more sheep <laughs> it's that endless cycle in it <laughs> <laughs> terrible it's like the more sheep you have the more land you need the more land you have the more sheep you want what do you think about clins I'm a fan I really like Clins. I've only just started having them very recently. Um, and that came from when I was lambing for um, Slawson Grange Estate. They have a big herd of organic Clins, um, yeah. which is really, they're really, really interesting. Like they've never been fed on anything other than grass or hay, hay that they've made on their own fields, which is or, or like sugar beet, which they've grown themselves. Yeah. Um, so I started working for, for working with them. I just thought, these are great because it's a commercial ewe that lambs easily. You don't have the problems that you do have with like, you know, Beltex or Texels or things where you might have to, you know, have cesareans and things like that. And it can be quite difficult. Um, they're really milky. They're great mothers and they just get on with it. And they're really lovely. They're, they're, I always think the lambs out and they're, they're almost turning before it's even hit the ground. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. 
you get the odd twins. One. Yeah. Like, yeah, some of the twins, they'll be ha- they'll have one, and then they'll get to have the other one, and then the first one's like, "Where's my breakfast?" Like <laughs> straight underneath, and it's like, had- "Chill, chill, little buddy, just chill." <laughs> it's always it's always the bad ones you remember. But we had one yeah. Clint last year that was number eight, orange eight. She was, and I've actually got a drone video of me putting her out, and she just disappears. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh I- no. In general, very good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. Very prolific. Almost got to be yeah. careful flushing them. Like, um, mm. yeah, very prolific. But no, a good animal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. So yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you know, great. Will Rubottom. You heard of Will? No. Cow- Cowley Hill Farm. Um. Oh yeah, no, I have heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Will's big and Clins. He's he's a big Clin man. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's quite funny. You have loads of folk on this podcast, and you're like, "Oh, they like that." I'll pass them on to them. <laughs> it's it's quite good. So, why why did you start? You've obviously got a big following, uh, Katie, on Instagram. Why did you start that? So, I mean, to be honest, I never ever thought that it would be anything other than just me putting photographs on myself because I started it originally because I was I was on Instagram. I have like you know my other one, which is just you know a standard Instagram that I had and I thought you know what I really enjoy these agricultural Instagrams from these women that are just you know crushing it in farming yeah. and, and men as well but I really look up to the women who you know who are doing it you know they're challenging stereotypes they're, they're just doing you know like Emma Gray and people like that are just yeah. fantastic and I just thought oh well you know what maybe like let's just have a go and and, and for me it was just kind of like I started it to prove to myself that I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Not the not not the social media, but that I could do the farming too. And it was like I just put posts on to remind myself that in when I was having a bad day, I could look back and think, you know, look at the things that you've achieved. Like these are really good. And then for some reason people really liked it. It's blown up and I don't understand why. <laughs> it's probably the the mentality you have. Like that sort of for some reason, you know, like you said earlier, if you if you're perfect or you're, you know, or, sorry, if you say you're perfect or you're <laughs> you know everything, folk are like, ugh, but you're openly coming out and saying we're trying this we're seeing how it goes we're oh, yeah. it all and and uh, you do it here you come across nice to speak to as well as on instagram so that's that's why folk follow oh thank you um, <laughs> but has that assisted you though has that has that benefited you in any way what having the having the, the social side of things yeah yeah well i think it has because to be honest it's it's like i've come i've connected with more people through that which has enabled me to learn more things and you know there's definitely a community of people that I would never have been involved in if it hadn't been for that like a lot of you know when I went through the jobs and things I have I'll get connected with people and chat and talk and you know well I'll buy rams off people that I've seen and things like that so that's that you know it's definitely helped me in that sense 100% it it does yes I I mean my um, my interests are obviously farming but I've also mm. I've written a draft proposal for uh, looking at social media and agriculture for a PhD. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, I'm a bit of a social media nerd, like complete. I'm yeah. Not, I'm a complete nerd. Uh, <laughs> so I, I love sort of hearing like what what Instagram does for folk and yeah and what what sort of opportunities it gives them. Uh, yeah. And here I for those for those listening, I said it at the start, but 
maybe if you forgot to look up look up Diary of a Shepherdess on Instagram, uh, Katie does po- Katie posts quite a lot and a lot of good stuff on there. But there's a question I really need to ask personally, and it's very very important. Tell us about parsnip. <laughs> My kitten. <laughs> I love cats more uh, than anything on this planet. <laughs> it's literally just outside the door. Oh my god, can I see him? Can we to get her? Oh please. Oh see I'm her. Have Sorry. To move things. Yeah. That's no, fine. We're gonna have to move things. Bear so, with me. No, you're fine. Um what is currently still happening? keep you on my head though. <laughs> <laughs> if you just walk out the room, um now obviously this is gonna be audio, you can't see this, but she's the cutest little kitten. And I'm so excited to see her. Oh my goodness. She's just the little oh. she's a devil. <laughs> she's a devil, but she's so cute. She Run is away. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so cute. Oh, I just I love them so much. They're the best animals. I love them. <laughs> um, so, I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer. And I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. It's such a funny story how I ended up getting her mum was because I was working, for, I was I was lambing for somebody and I was in the, I was lambing Cherylays over a weekend. They were all sponged. So they were, there was 90 coming over like two days. So it was quite yeah. intensive. And I was sitting in this barn and I was just like, what, what's that noise? And I looked up and there were these four kittens are like above, the lambing uh, barn and I said to the farmer I was like oh they're so cute they're so cute and at the end of the thing he was like that one keeps following you around and I was like yeah sorry I kind of like gave her cheese and things <laughs> and he went well do you want her and I was like absolutely do I want her for- yeah give me a kitten 100% and I took it home and my partner thought it was a lamb in a box and I was like no it's better I opened it up and he was like oh no it's a cat but <laughs> to be fair, I walk in on them and the cat will be asleep like on him. So he's Brilliant. bonded. This is what I always say is like the bond is never stronger than than like a dad and the animal he never said he wanted. Oh, 100%. It's, it's so strong. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I saw and you. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was Parsnip's mum, sorry. that was. Yeah, that was Parsnip's mum who Bobby named um, Catface. Okay. Yep. Good yep. name. Yeah. Yep. Good name. And then she, and then she, well, she found a Tom somewhere. And now she's had one kitten. So we've kept it because I said to Bobby, we can't not keep this kitten. It's so cute. She's a menace, but she's so cute. She's just having a dinner now. But yeah. But when I set up to to do this meeting, the reason I put her out in the kitchen was because she kept attacking all my leads, and I thought <laughs> it's gonna be so bad if she like attacks the lead and the whole thing falls down. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be worth it. It'd be so worth it. And the reason Absolutely. the reason I ask is that we had um we got two rescues and mum was like, You'll get one cat. Now we, we live very <laughs> close to our road, a very fast road. And uh, it was you can't get a cat, I can't get a cat, I can't get a cat. And then I got the age and I went, You're right, fine. And we went and perchance the day we went, oh my gosh, she's so cute. Uh, the day we went, there was brothers there that had just their owner had died. And I was yeah. like, can't have one they're <laughs> brothers uh, so we got tigger and tom and then unfortunately that is what happened to tom with a road three years later um, and we got another one and then we got all of our cats have been like found on the road or that sort oh, of thing okay and yeah 
Yeah, and recently, maybe about two years ago, Dad was going on the road and he thought, um, I'm just sitting watching the wee one running around. This is great fun. He she thought there was a... <laughs> she's... Oh, she's sat in the back. That's so cute. Oh, my God, I need to get a wee photo of that. Everyone listening is probably thinking, wait, smile, Katie. Oh, that's perfect. I'm going to post that in it. That is absolutely That's why I unblurred my background because I thought you might be able to see her running around in the back. <laughs> um, Dad was driving on the road and thought he saw a bit of black, like, silage wrap. Oh. And then, then he realised it was a wee kitten that was oh. essentially not quite dead, but almost. Oh. And uh, it was we, we've now got him. We named him James. Uh, <laughs> I, I call him Jameis because if he ever, his TikTok ever blows up, we could be famous Jameis. And the reason he's got a TikTok is I have trained him to jump up. So if you just TikTok the name of my Instagram account, just Rural to Kitchen, there's a there's videos if you go down, there's loads of stuff on there, just rubbish. It's not a big account, but um there's a photo of him and I'm like standing, he's on this couch and he's looking up at me and he jumps, like he jumps and grabs onto my arm. I've proper taught him to do it. He can do it from about three meters now. And it's probably my proudest thing. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll send you a link after after sort of. Oh, please do! I really want to see that. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. I love we James, and then he sort of got to the point that he tries to, he tries to jump up on my dad, and my dad's like petrified of him. <laughs> he's, scared uh, of the, he's scared of the cat. He does hold on. Uh, he really oh, does hold on. Yeah, it's a bit um, mean. <laughs> he's not scared to hold on, but uh, I absolutely love it. So I, I had to ask about Barsna, but it would been remiss of me not to but um you, you're also working away from the farm as well katie so could you tell us a bit about that oh what my normal job <laughs> normal job that's it yeah <laughs> uh, I, I work for i work for caligas i work for customer services at caligas yeah um, right, so yeah here. i've worked I there since is... i did my knee in yeah the, uh, the, i meant to, i knew there was something missed your knee mm. both two of the three knee ligaments is not fun no it was awful it was really awful it happened last September it was when I was working at the big commercial farm and we were just finishing sorting out the last of the fat lambs um taking them away and I ran them down the Prattley put the um the back of the trailer up and turned around and this humongous you know big Romney Texel cross you just came flying down I went to kind of jump out of the way but she caught my knee and twisted it round I felt something pop and I was like oh this isn't very good and then I tried to try to walk and I couldn't walk and I couldn't walk for six weeks it was awful I had a leg brace on I essentially I didn't lose my job but I had a conversation with the guy and we both felt that because I wasn't going to be able to come back and do what I did before that it would make sense for him to find someone else considering I was self-employed and that was really hard that yeah. I took that really hard um but yeah but then my friend works at Cala and he said oh well, there's a job at customer services and I love talking to people people you know as you can probably tell <laughs> so I thought well I'll give it a go and um you know it's not farming but uh it pays for the farming <laughs> so it's yeah it's good do you see getting back into shepherding in the future I'd like to I would like to and I think if if there came a time where I thought you know I could see myself being able to do this as you know being able to get them you know earn enough to be able to do this again then I yeah. would um but I did struggle. It was hard. I did, you know, I got to the point where it was great and I could balance everything and it was fine. And then I did my knee. And so <laughs> that was the thing. But it 
the the, heart, the the thing for me as well was because for you know farming for me when I first started when I first really kind of knew what I wanted to be really helped me with my mental health because I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression a few years ago specifically through the COVID years when I was like yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to do and it's the same as a lot of people I know specifically people in in farming that found it very very difficult and it was kind of like when I found it I was like oh this this is what I want to do this is amazing and I struggled really really badly when I did my knee because I was like oh this is awful and then the new job kind of helped me because I still do the farming and I have the sheep help me kind of find that balance because now I can do what I love and if I could do it full-time I absolutely would um but at the moment it's just not possible which is really which is sad it is sad it's a big issue the, the lone work inside a farm mm. and yeah, yeah a lot of pressure on a few amount of people and yeah it's yeah and and, and I think we're 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 in a position now where we're talking a bit more about feelings and stuff, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be there. I mean, I, I um, I uh, last year went through a really ru- really rough time, and and the best thing I did was talking about it. Now, yeah, but I'm also conscious that it's not easy for everyone to speak about things. It's it's it's, it's not a one size fits all thing. It's a tricky thing. Um, but COVID was a weird old time. Like, it was so strange so strange really really weird like the whole sw- you know switching jobs thing as well was really difficult and then it was just so weird because it was like you couldn't do anything or go anywhere and I remember like when I was doing the lambing and stuff and I kind of come back and be like oh I'm covered in this and that and just want my bath and all I want to do is just go out and see my friends and just chill and that's yeah. not something that was possible <laughs> she's like, like she's like me <laughs> look at me i'm the most important thing <laughs> she is the most important she is, thing in the world. She yeah. is. Yeah. she's very important very important she is and but is, yeah, it, is cat face is cat face still around she is yeah she's just outside hunting probably she likes to spend her evenings outside but she's not oh. really old enough yet to go out so she's kind of like still still inside causing chaos <laughs> i love that she's called cat <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when i let my partner choose names for things so like the dogs i've got we've got four dogs we've got um a lurcher and a whippet and two border collies and the collies are like flick and isla and the the lurchers are b and george they're like really normal names you know and then the cats that bobby named cat face and parsnip i was like you're never naming anything ever again i told him you could name a ram <laughs> And and I'm not. I can't say what he wants to call it because it's very rude. But I was like, no. I'll give I'll give you a funny one about not naming a ram, but naming a bull, and you get the you get the year for the the breeding name that the letter is going to start with. And yeah, myself and Katie, who's a family friend that was always up at lambing time, would maybe be nine and seven, and uh, we said mum had said to us, getting a bull, and this year it's H, and both of us like that went humper. <laughs> It's the job done here. It's what he's yeah. for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, uh, you know, if you get another dog and and uh, your partner's in charge, you're you're having a dog face. I mean, that's, that's dog face getting. or cat face? Oh God, no more dogs. Somebody tried to sell me another collie the other day, and I was like, I just can't. I just can't have any more collies. It's not worth it. I've only got hundred sheep. I can't have three collies. I know this is that. This is that. I know. Uh, yeah, here one one dog per 25 sheep is quite a quite, yeah, quite yeah. a high level as it is um i'm absolutely loving watching parsnip run back and forth <laughs> uh, do you know 
Yeah, we, we had a bit of drama at the start and uh, even with a second recording we've been filming for 50 minutes already absolutely fun <laughs> especially when there's a cat running around that i just oh, get yeah um but no it's it's really cool to sort of see someone that that that, that had no ties to farming at first and is now finding their way and and i love i love hearing those stories and one thing i really wanted to bring up uh, and i'm it might not have been the first post I saw from you, but certainly one of the first. Uh, you're involved in an article with, and I'm going to forget the name of the magazine, Farmers Monthly. Far, Farming it was. Monthly. Let me find it. Farming Monthly, I think. Farming Farming Monthly. Uh, on women in agriculture. Could you tell us yeah. about that? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was really cool because that was kind of like I hadn't really been doing it for very long, and and they contacted me and they were like, "Oh, we're doing, you know, we're, we're doing a um a sequence of women that are in farming and they're just sharing their stories with us, and and um we you know we want to know if you want to write something." And I thought, "Yeah, go on then, I'll do that." And then uh, <laughs> and I sent them something, and they were like, "Oh, that's really good. Can you write more and send us loads of photographs?" And they ended up doing like five pages or something of my rambling, which um which basically what I've said to you about. Um, you know where I came from the fact that I'm not in farming really and and where I've come from and um, and what I want what I you know my advice for people that are coming into farming and and um, you know what what we can do as young people to help the farming community um, and help each other um, and yeah and it was great I loved it it was really really good I'd do it again in a heartbeat would you yeah, yeah. no it's good that it's good that and I think um idea of being a magazine for most of us is quite weird and I'm sure most of us that do this social media stuff have done it now here and there but it's just cool like I mean I think I think maybe sometimes doing what we do we sort of forget what's cool that we're doing um, yeah. that, that yeah, sort of thing is really cool it was a bit random it was a bit like oh I've, 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 I've done a thing that's really cool and then I had people messaging me being like I've seen you in a magazine and I was like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> why am I in a, why, why, why am I in a magazine why, yeah. why is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty funny. It's pretty random when that happens. But um no, it's it was a really good post. That's I think I'm positive that's the first uh, I'm positive that's the first thing I saw of you. Oh parsnip, stop because I'm gonna forget the questions I have and I'm just gonna want to talk with little kitty cat. Oh she's asking for a paw. It's too much. <laughs> oh my god. She'll bite me in a minute. Yeah, there we yeah, are. She's definitely <laughs> about to bite you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's quite mean. Um, oh, she's proper going for it now. Proper chewing you. Yes, and this is why you were out in the kitchen, so you couldn't distract me. <laughs> you probably didn't expect her to distract me as much, in fairness. I absolutely I know, don't. to be fair, I was like, oh no, well, I'll leave her outside because, you know, I don't want her, like, you know, interfering. And I actually, I love the fact that you asked about her because she's so cute. Oh, I, abs- I absolutely love cats. I always do sort of a wee last minute check on Instagram and stuff before we, we start a podcast, just to see if there's anything topical that's happened recently. And, yeah. and uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't read any of the posts because I saw Parsnip. <laughs> like, that like, one. She's got a cat. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> it should be called the R2 Cats, actually, instead of oh, R2 Cats. Um, that's actually an idea that worked really well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, here, Katie, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've wanted to sort of record for a while, and, and uh, uh, even if I'm phoning you at midnight to remind you of that, um, <laughs> wait, I'm glad we've done it. I'm glad it's sort of happened now. But uh, there's there's two questions that everyone gets asked, and they're horrible questions. Well, one of them's horrible. Um, 
uh, I apologise for asking it because I certainly don't know the answer when I'm asked it. But the first question is one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Oh, so where do I see myself in five years? So, I mean, I hope in five years time that I have more, I'd, I'd love more land. I'd love to, you know, expand more and and maybe do part-time where I work so I could concentrate more on the farming again and build myself yeah. back up into getting back into that that full time because because I do miss it 100 percent um and I can't really see much past that because at the moment I'm still kind of you know treading water as where I'm going to go and what direction the farm's going but I'm hoping to have a more solid grip on the pedigrees definitely okay. and my my advice to people from coming into farming is just do it you know don't let anything hold you back don't you know there are obviously worries that are gonna cross your mind you're gonna think oh you know can I do this am I gonna find it too hard and the answer is yes you'll find it hard but oh my goodness you will be able to overcome that and the um, mm. the feeling of you know just joy that you have when you have exceeded and succeeded those things that you thought you never would have been able to even think about doing is just amazing yeah, it's like um, what's the what's the term? Ah, uh, it's not hard but rewarding. But that is the the yeah. sentence that I'm looking for. I can't get the term, but uh, yeah, no, good, good. And I think it's it's quite nice when someone answers the five year question with basically the same as they're doing now, just a bit more, because that means you must yeah. know what you're doing, which is good. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe maybe less cats. <laughs> no, more cats. More cats. You can have. <laughs> Have a full basket. You could have parsnips, carrots, tatties. Yeah, if we have yeah. a chat again, it'll be like, look at all these many cats that I now have. <laughs> Vegetable named cats. Uh, yeah, yeah carrots. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, it's been a pleasure to have yourself and parsnip on. Um, oh, <laughs> and it's it been really amazing. Has. I love being on. I was so nervous, but I have to say, yeah, you've made me feel right at home. So thank you so oh, much good. for that. I'm glad. I'm maybe it helped with the fact that I got it entirely wrong at first and for the first time. <laughs> 145 episodes i didn't record we had um, a little practice <laughs> yeah, that's it that's it we'll call it a practice that's practice. it yeah uh, practice. i'm so glad i noticed five minutes in i know i was thinking i was thinking god if i've been waffling on for how long and it's still it's not recording but oh it's fine no, i feel enjoyed filming it was a good episode and i'm glad glad you enjoyed as well yeah it was brilliant um, for those of you listening, uh, a lot of good episodes coming up in the next few weeks. We've got David Mitchell next. Uh, I say next few weeks. There's two a week, so uh, more than just David Mitchell next week. But David Mitchell, uh, we think it's Jack Young, who is a, <clears throat> a young farmer in ACYFC as well, who won the AgriScot Business Skills Award, which will be happening again in two weeks' time at the point of release of that episode. So if you are a young farmer... Uh, with a business plan idea you can win a thousand pounds at the AgriScot uh, Business Skills Award which happens every year and is a very quite prestigious award I then have I don't know if I can say this I then have someone I met I can say that uh, who is an insect farmer to pr produce insects as a protein for livestock now it's very much in its infancy he's looking at uh, clearance and such like which is very interesting my question is going to be i take it they can't be vertebrae because they're vertebrae they've got cns's and we're just looking at bse again so really interesting discussion see what's happening there um i did entomophagy so direct uh, eating of, of insects in my masters and um, but not as that sort of like almost middle 
insect middle for livestock feed anyway so a really uh, cool consideration there on top of that we have two exciting episodes shall i say of the all-in series so the 147 is going to be snooker which i thought was really clever if you don't understand that basically in snooker the highest score you can get is 147 points he says unable to hit a ball um but we brought on hillary reed who was a professional in the 70s and you're probably noticing from her name she's female which was very rare in the 70s not being female but being female in, in snooker uh, and she sort of broke down a lot of barriers in that sense and it was really it was just really sweet to hear Hillary, Hillary speak for the best part of the quarters of an hour and Ed and I could barely get a word in edgewise and uh, she just told us her whole career and it was just a case of I think she's she's 77 I think she'd said um, I don't think she told the story for about 20 years and she just was so happy telling the story and it was such a lovely experience for Ed and I uh, and then the 150th episode obviously a big one um, is going to be with an Olympian it's already filmed she competed in Tokyo uh, at the Olympics which is pretty mad to think just sort of where the podcast has came uh, given um, you know where it began we are now on the 145th episode. The next episode, such as the way of numbers, is 146, which means when David Mitchell's episode is released, we will have released the exact same amount of podcasts this year that we have in its full existence, which is over three years. So um, fairly ramping up episodes. I don't know if I can hit 12 a month without sponsorship on the second series. We need to get sponsorship there, or it seems a bit mental to be doing that. But uh if you are listening and you are wanting to get your brand, your company, your organization out to um, what is about 400,000 people now, uh, give us a shout. Let's see if we can have a chat and let's see if we can try to work together. So thank you very much for listening, Katie. Thank you for coming on again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No, it's been a, an utter pleasure and we shall see you all for episode number 146 with David Mitchell. See you later on. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast as much as I have, and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector, and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far, and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural, and I'll see you for the next episode.